Welcome to the B2B Mix Show with Elena and Stacy. In each episode, we'll bring you ideas that you can implement in your sales and marketing strategy. We'll share what we know along with advice from industry experts who will join us on the show. Are you ready to mix it up? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. This is Stacy Jackson. And I'm Elena Jackson. We are the co-founders of Jackson Marketing. And in case you still haven't heard, we are also sisters. Stacy, what are we going to be talking about today? Today, we're talking about an oldie but a goodie, social media in the C-suite and why executives need to be using it. And believe it or not, and I know you'll believe it, there's still some executives that are just resisting getting on social media for some reason. What do you think, Elena? Yeah, I think that there's actually probably more than we realize that probably are not leveraging social for their company as as an executive and i get it it's it can be time consuming there's all different kinds of things that you got to think through you're you're busy as an executive and i know like like for us being agency owners we're busy and i'll be honest sometimes i just don't want to do social because i'm doing it for clients a lot during the day and i'm like ugh I don't want to do my own social sometimes. I'm going to be really honest. Let me tell you a secret. Sometimes I don't do mine. <laughs> so it's good to know, Stacey, that I'm not alone because you're also not doing it either sometimes. So it it's just one of those things that it's it's easy to let kind of slide by the wayside and, you know, hope hope everyone else in your company does it. And But it's, it's so critical for those at the top to be doing social as as the leaders of the company. What do you think? I agree. And just because that you might let it slip sometimes like I do or you do, that doesn't mean that you've, you've totally bombed. It's just setting a schedule and being consistent. That doesn't mean you have to do it every day, but just get out there and do it. And I think today's guests can give you some tips that will really help you get your social game in order if you're an executive. Lena, why don't you introduce our guest? Brandon Lee is the founder and CEO of Yip Yip Inc. and Funnel Amplified. He's a serial business builder who specializes in creating companies that help businesses increase revenues through personalized communication systems. He developed and continues to use a framework called Liked, Trusted, and Remembered to help businesses and professional service uh, providers grow their business by starting new relationships and nurturing existing relationships. Prior to founding Yip Yip and Funnel Amplified, Brandon created and sold three other companies. He is also a speaker on leadership, entrepreneurship, and discovering personal mission and passion. He is the author of 99 Powerful Questions for Business Owners and Leaders and co-founded 99 Powerful Questions Publishing, which is a company that helps business leaders build their personal brands and grow their business revenues with book marketing, marketing systems. He currently serves on the advisory board for the Kravis Leadership Institute and serves on the board with several nonprofits. Not only is he a stay busy with work, but he also has his wife and five children at home that also help to keep him busy. Brandon, welcome to the B2B Mix Show. Hey, Alana. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for joining us, Brandon. Before we jump into our conversation about social media in the C-suite, would you like to tell us a little bit more about Yip Yip and Funnel Amplified? Oh, sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, You know, I've spent uh, my 20 plus year career helping distributed sales teams 
uh, with personal communications. Uh, so how that has looked over the years is, you know, marketing and, and legal, they want to control the brand. They want to control messaging. Some of them are in uh, compliance-based uh, industries where they really have to be very aware and careful of what their team members are communicating. So over the years, um, I've done it in print and now we do it in digital. But what Funnel Amplified and Yip Yip do is um, it allows a single person, a marketing, a sales support person to create social and content messagings that are approved by the business. And then through our system, it gets amplified through all the individuals. Uh, what that looks like is their team members will get a notification on their mobile app with a simple tap of the screen. They can repurpose that content into their personal social media accounts like LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and several others. So it's really just designed to help them take that lead funnel, take all that brand messaging and amplify it out through personal relationships, personal social media accounts with a tap of a button. And it's a really cool tool. So if you have a chance, you should go check it out. It's FunnelAmplified.com, which will also include all that in the show notes. So based on what you're doing with Funnel Amplified, you know a little bit about social, right? So that's why we have you on the show. We're going to talk about some social, but not just social, but social for executives. So one of the things that we've we've noticed is that not, not a lot of executives have really jumped on the social bandwagon. You know, they haven't just jumped in and are covered in, oh yeah, social is amazing. So it could, and it could be for a number of reasons. Maybe they don't have enough time because they're executives, they're, they're busy. Or maybe they think it's a waste of time because, you know, it just seems like a, a lot of work for maybe in their minds, they, they don't see what value it could bring. So for those that are avoiding that, incorporating social into their daily lives as a, as an executive, what would you say to them? What kind of benefits are they missing out on? Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's that, you know, we honestly, I think, especially with your two backgrounds, we could probably talk about this all day long. Um, and I'll, I'll try to be concise, but I, I think a couple, of, a couple of things for me. One is over the years, we've in sales and C-suites and executive leadership teams, um, we've talked about the known, liked, and trusted phenomenon, right? If it's not so much what you know, it's who you know. And in a internet 2.0, or maybe you want to call it a 3.0 is, is really what I've been uh, referring to it as in the social world. It's not even who you know, but it's who knows you. And social is such an easy way to amplify that presence, amplify your messages, amplify your brand. And so that known, liked, and trusted, as we moved into Internet 3.0, I started using the term like, trusted, and remembered because the remember part is so critical now. With so much social, with so much digital messaging, with so many emails, and people really kind of living, staring at their screens it's so important to be remembered. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the huge benefits that they get out of it is that when they're kind of expanding their social network, because people are coming to them, people are recommending them and, and getting to know them through that. And they're looking like a thought leader, but also it's just creating that top of mind that you're remembered. Oh, wait, who was it that, what company was it that did this? Oh, that was Brandon Lee. I need to go check him out again. Yeah. So I think that that is, that's a huge thing to 
have as a benefit is that you're top of mind and you're remembered. Are there any other benefits that they need to think about? You know, I think um, that's such a huge one. I mean, I think being able to kind of, if you look at it as a top of funnel activity, it's moving your visitors, your readers, your content consumers onto pages that are important to you. So social, especially amplified through your team, um, it drives a lot of traffic to your website or web pages that you want. And with retargeting being such a key part of companies lead uh, nurturing, lead generation, and really conversion um, strategies, the more visitors you get to your content pages, the more people you have in your retargeting campaigns. So um, one of the things you said that really stuck with me is you're talking about like why C-suite people have not adopted it. Um, They don't think it's valuable. One of the key things with social is consistency, right? Social media content marketing isn't like a coupon, right? You don't send it out there and a bunch of people grab it, they redeem it, and they go get their $3 off a pizza, right? It's relationship building, and that doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of um, executives or C-suites, I hear a lot, and you guys probably have heard this too, they go, oh, I tried it, it didn't work. Right, Mm -hmm. I tried it for a week and it didn't work. (laughs) Exactly, Exactly. and I'm like, well, you know what? Uh, Think about networking events or conferences you've gone to or training um, events, conferences you've gone to. Do you go once and expect to fill your pipeline for the rest of your life? Absolutely not. It's about consistency. So you you use the term top of mind. Um, I like using that term in the like, trusted, and remembered model because the type of content you produce helps you be likable. The type of content you produce helps you be trusted. And the consistency of the content helps you be remembered. And if you're doing the content correctly, you're remembered for the right things. And being remembered is beneficial for future business, referrals, when you're known for something and they have you stuck in their brain because they see you in the newsfeed all the time. And they're at lunch, they're at an event and somebody goes, oh, you know, we need a solution for X, Y, Z. It's very humanly natural for them to go, oh, you should check out and fill in the name of somebody because they are top of mind. Right. I think leadership uh, teams that are visible on social media too help the recruiting department attract the right talent because people naturally want to be in a company that's led by a strong, likable leader. And that can definitely help attract the right like-minded talent to your company. I think that's another good benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, social and content is a great way to message your culture. And Mm -hmm. in in an industry now where, you know, glass door and, you know, a lot of the power has shifted, you know, buyers have more power, employees or future or potential employees have more power when they're checking out companies, they can go online and find current employees, they can find things on like glass door, and other platforms to learn, hey, what is this company really like, because You know, the person who interviewed me said some really great things and, you know, they do this and that and they treat their employees well, but is it true? Right. So when you have that consistent social presence for the brand, especially for your C-suite and your executives, 
it really helps create a com- company culture and it creates an image of the company into the greater industry. Yeah, definitely. Hey, folks, let's take a break to hear about today's sponsor. And we are back. So when it comes to where C-suite level professionals spend their time online, obviously LinkedIn's very important for B2B, but what about other platforms like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? How do you advise C-level individuals when it comes to prioritizing where they need to spend their time and on what social media platforms? Yeah, thanks, Stacey. Sorry to interrupt. Um, oh, no problem. Well, I, I really look at two things, um, and I, I think they're equally important. Number one is where is your audience? What platforms are they on? Where are they going? And the second one is which platforms do you like? Because if you don't like using certain platforms, you're just not going to be consistent. And you know, I get I get beat up by some people, and I get applauded by others when I say this. But I'm not. I don't love Twitter. Um, nothing wrong with it. It's just not a fit for me. So I use LinkedIn and Facebook and I do a lot of business through Facebook because just like in a real life event, you know, if I go to a networking event, I don't talk all about business. If I, nobody wants to listen to me, right? But so much of developing friendships with people, developing relationships with people is personal. So I do use Facebook. I talk about my family. I talk about things that we're doing. I'm very careful. I'm not political on Facebook and things like that. But I, I am actually authentic, though. I, you know, I'll talk about my faith. I'll talk about uh, my struggles as an entrepreneur. I think it's just valuable to be where your audience is and then have, you know, use the platforms that you like to use. I love LinkedIn for meeting new people. And developing those relationships, but I also love Facebook for taking my professional relationships into a more personal level. Mm-hmm. And that's that. You make a good point. While you you do need to be where your audience is, but you also need to be on those platforms that you you enjoy. Because if you don't enjoy them, then you're not going to use them. Probably, you know. And and that's that's key to knowing which platforms will work best for you, as well as which ones are there where your audience is. I think those are some big things to remember. And, you know, like you, you use Facebook in a way that you're you're combining kind of your professional, spiritual and personal on Facebook. And I think that that's uh, really works well uh, with with people that want to kind of incorporate all those into one. Yeah. And some people don't, and that's okay. You know, some people want to keep business business. I just think that as internet 3.0 is getting, you know, older and older, um, it, it's so hard to keep your business and personal life separate anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you embrace it and you um, allow that to be part of who you are. You let that be part of your internet presence so that people know who you are. I mean, I found customers because I'm a big English Premier League soccer fan and I've engaged with people online, built relationships. And the next thing you know, I'm getting a referral or I'm having a conversation with somebody that went from, you know, your team sucks. No, your team sucks to tell me about your solution. And, oh, I got a friend who's a good fit for you. You should go talk to them. So I think it's, you know, 
I relate social media a lot to, you know, you mentioned in my bio there that we have five kids and I've spent a lot of time on the sidelines of kids games and you just never know who you're standing next to. Right. And, and we talk about, it's not what you know, but who, you know, so when you're in those places and you start having conversations, number one, if all you do is talk about business, right. I walk up to, you know, parents on the sidelines and go, Hey, my name's Brandon. I own a company named Funnel Amplified. Da, 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 da. They're going to walk away. And, you know. <laughs> That's great. I'm leaving. <laughs> right. But if you don't build relationships, right. You talk to people about you know, things that are important to them. That's where you really develop relationships. And if we keep going back to business is about being liked, trusted, and remembered, or call it the known, liked, and trusted, that I'm okay with that. It's, you know, they kind of mean the same, but it's all about personal relationships. And mm -hmm. social media is just a great and easy place to do that. And here's the thing, you can control it. Right. I hear a lot of people go, well, I don't want anyone to see what I do on Facebook. It's like, look, if you're ashamed of some things that you do in your life and you don't want your business relationships to know it, then you need to take care of that. Right. Because right. Those things will come out. I mean, we just we live in an Internet era. It will come out. Mm -hmm. But you can control things with settings. Like if someone tags you on Facebook, you can review it before it goes into the public news feeds, you know, you can do things like that to try and protect yourself to things you don't want out there. But bottom line, we're all known. Own it. Yeah. 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 If you're online, you're, you're everywhere. Pretty much. I think privacy pretty much doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to a big degree anyway. Yeah. Well, and I think in, in, you know, a lot of traditional businesses, their C-suite, their executive teams tend to be in that, you know, 45-year-old-plus range, right? I know that's a big, you know, generality. But in a traditional business, that tends to be the case. And we grew up in an era where privacy was a big deal, right? I mean, how many people out there actually put their name on a do-not-mail list, right? And do-not-call list. And, you know, we used to – we had voicemail or uh, – voice machines, right? We go, oh, another telemarketer. And I would say, um, but, but the reality is, I mean, if, if I want somebody to be able to connect with me online and I put my email, my phone number and stuff like that, it's going to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So now that once they find out what channels that they kind of want to focus on and, and be visible on, what should the C-suite level professional be doing on social? I mean, it's it's going to be different from what an entry level person does or from what a salesperson does, right? So what should they be doing on social to have them stand out? Yeah, I, that's a great question. And, I, and again, I think there's, there's a couple of answers here. Uh, number one, I like to say is use the medium that gives you the most energy. And what I mean by that is if you don't like to write, don't be a blogger. If you don't like to be on video, don't have a YouTube channel. You know, whatever it is that gives you the most energy. You, we were talking earlier about uh, podcasts before we started recording. And I love doing my podcast, but I found that I got a lot more energy out of video and I would go live 
and I would be much more authentic. I would allow myself to be more spontaneous. Um, I'd have guests where we would feed off of each other. And I just found that that was a better medium for me. And so I started moving everything to video, recording on Zoom, going live, things like that. So number one is find the medium that works for you. And if you are in a, you know, an executive or you're more entry level, obviously you've got to, you know, work with your company to make sure that you're doing things that are approved and acceptable. But number one is the medium. Use the one that's best for you. It's the most energy gaining. Um, I talk a lot in my business, especially in marketing for individuals. It's what are the energy draining activities in your life and what are the energy gaining activities in your life? And when any of us have more energy gaining activities, we just, we work better. We work with more passion. And so that energy level for you is really, really important. Then the second thing I would go to is the type of content. Number one, number one, number one, we've got to get out of thinking that this is a sales medium, mm-hmm. relationship building medium. So the content you share, and there's nothing wrong with sharing brand content, but if all you do is share brand content and sales pitches and all of that, nobody's going to listen to you. I go back to that being on the sidelines and go and introduce myself to, you know, parents I don't know and go, Hey, I'm Brandon and I own a company named Funnel Amplified. The next game, when I show up, they're going to walk to the other side of the field. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And try and hide their face. You know, don't look at me. Don't make eye contact. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So um, it's the same thing online. I mean, we got to remember that there's real human beings on the other side of the screen. And the way you would want to show up to them in real life is the same way that you should show up in social. So we have a couple of rules that we use and every industry is a little bit different, but I like to say that 70% of what you create should be about answering your customers' questions, um, answering questions of prospective customers, things like that. And then 10% of it can be more about a um, direct sales call, like call to action, And then the other 20% should be more human. And I think, you know, I say that as a standard and and I always put this asterisk because honestly, part of that 70-20-10 is because if you tell a lot of businesses that they shouldn't, not every post should be about their company, they look at you with like you have three eyeballs. (laughs) Right. You know, I would really like to see those numbers go a lot lower, right? Build relationships, be human. But the answering your customers' questions is really the best way to be liked, to be trusted, and be remembered. And I think and you made a good point human. that choosing the right medium, too, is is key because, you know, everybody's like, you got to do video, you got to do video, but not everyone does well on video because they're not comfortable. And so then they're not, the, the energy isn't there, like you were saying. And while I do think it's important for companies to have a face to the name, because that does really help to have someone that they recognize and have that, you know, they feel more like a person to person as a opposed to a person to brand. But not everyone at the company has to be on video. The the executives don't have to be the ones that are kind of acting as the face necessarily on video and stuff like that. 
But it's key, like you were saying, to choose that medium that works best for you, because otherwise it's not going to work. It's and it's it's going to not come across as engaging, I think, is more authentic. Yeah. So I think that's a good point to make. Yeah. And I think we're we're moving into the world of a chief evangelist. Um, More and more companies will have that CEO that's a chief evangelist officer. They're they're the name they bring to energy and the companies that have that, they do exceptionally well. I mean, we can check off, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk with, with VaynerMedia. Uh, You got Richard Branson with his Virgin Brands, you know, you have Elon Musk um, with Tesla, right? Those are CEOs that have taken on the evangelist role. Now the vast majority of us, are not Elon Musk or, you know, Richard Branson. We, we could strive and dream, but we just aren't. But I think that in more of an SMB world, um, there's, if you guys are familiar with Terminus, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one of their co-founders, Sangram Varhe, um, he does a phenomenal job of being the chief evangelist. Um, he goes live. He talks with customers. He talks about his personal leadership. He talks about his own struggles. Um, he brings on customers and interviews them. Um, he has owned his airwaves. And Terminus as a company has benefited dramatically because of his willingness to put himself out there, to be online and to be a face of the business, to be a voice of the business. So I try to emulate after him with our business. You know, he created the community of Flip the Funnel. Uh, For those who don't know, Terminus is an account-based marketing software. And as an ABM, the whole model was around, you know, don't have your single corporate funnel, but flip the funnel and have funnels that are specific for different verticals or very specific customers that you're targeting. Um, So we created this community and started talking about the value of it and got, you know, over 100,000 people that were following him. And it was all about education. It was all about learning together. And then there was a, oh, by the way, if you buy the, if you, if you buy into this strategy, we have a company over here that can sell you software. Brilliant. Everything you've mentioned so far, it kind of goes along with a question I was thinking about. And I thought about the exact names you said, Richard Branson, Gary Vaynerchuk, and how if you're a C-suite person who's been reluctant to get into social media because you've looked at these people who just do it so well. How do you break through that? Uh, I'm no Gary Vaynerchuk or I'm no Richard Branson kind of mentality to move forward. I mean, it's finding where you're comfortable, but maybe you need another push. Yeah. You know what? I think, um, again, I go back to, um, what, where do you find your, energy from. So I would say if you take somebody like Scott Brinker from HubSpot, right? You all know HubSpot, right? Mm -hmm. Scott Brinker, and I don't remember his exact um, title with HubSpot right now, but he is a brilliant thinker. And he has a brand that he's created called the Chief Marketing Technologist, right? He created Mm -hmm. the Marcom, I think at the time was 150. And he talked about the, you know, these 150 marketing communication technologies. And, you know, that was 10, 12 years ago. I can't remember the exact dates, but that's grown to become the Marcon 5000. And he's become a voice 
in the marketing communication technology space. And what he mostly does is write. He loves to write. I don't, I don't see Scott. I mean, I do see him on stage. I see him on video every now and then. But mostly what I see of him is written. So you can still create a presence without being a Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, you can do that through your wisdom, through your thinking, through sharing, building your database, being on social, sharing it, sharing it, sharing it. Um, I do think there is a little bit of a benefit to being on, on sound or video. So podcast or YouTube or video or Zooms or things like that. Because they tend to be a richer medium. But, you know, if you're in a space like, um, you know, your network is CIOs of Fortune 500 companies, um, that personality tends to be more introverted and they'll like to read and maybe not watch video. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I, I think that that's a good point because, you know, you can still be that influencer if you're putting out the content in a way that is best for you. Like, like you're saying, he's, he's writing and he's doing all these things and he's still being an influencer. But I think also, like you said, you know, maybe if you can take some of that content and make an audio or something to that effect, I think that will let you make it go even further. Right. And I think you know, making, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I think if a person who hasn't been on social yet really thinks of it more of what is my expertise that I can help people with and use that in a way that I'm most comfortable sharing it is really the way they should approach their social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stacy, that's such a great point because uh, it. what I hear a lot, and I'd love to hear what you guys hear, is... Um, I'll hear people say, oh, use social media like my kids do that. Um, or, <laughs> oh, social media, I'm not going to post pictures of what I'm eating, right? It's like, well, duh, neither am I. Well, occasionally I do. <laughs> really, really good taco just needs to be posted on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> right. But but it's like, yeah, no kidding. But again, we've got to get out of what you know the me monster. If, if mm-hmm. it's... You're looking at this being me, 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 me. Number one, it's not going to work. Don't waste your time. And number two, you're just looking at the whole concept of social media wrong. This is about giving. It's about providing value, right? It's, it's, I don't understand. I get really frustrated with this, but I don't understand how very solid business people with that know how to add value and, and all, you know, in offline can't not translate that into an online world. Yes. So then you see it every day in your LinkedIn in mail. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I think I'm going to start posting on LinkedIn every day. Okay. Tally up. How many connection requests did you get today that was immediately followed with a, hey, thanks for connecting. I have a you got 15 minutes. It's like, yeah, the the ones that I really that really get on on, under my scan are the ones where it's like, hey, I think it would be great for us to just take 15 minutes to see how we can help each other. It's like, you want to sell me something. You're trying to make it sound like you're wanting to get you know, help each other. But I know, I know what's going on here. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other one that bothers me is when they send a message, you ignore it because, oh, I'm being sold. 
and they're trying to be like, hey, let's let's see if we have you know we can share networks and exactly like, yeah. <laughs> and then we don't respond because I don't have time for that. And then right. they send a second one, and then they'll send a third one that says, hey, I don't really mean to waste your time, and like, but yet, <laughs> but you are doing it. <laughs> yeah, you are forcing me to go into LinkedIn and delete your messages because you thought being the connection meant I wanted to waste my time with you. I want to hear yeah. So along these lines, uh, how does the CEO or other executives with their participating in social, how does that kind of affect the rest of the company and other people in the company? Does that set the stage for how social should be done in the company and, and how to kind of, and what is expected? How does yeah. it, how, how does it change? That is a really great question. I mean, I think that, um, number one, a, a C-suite or an executive that is actively using social as a strategy, it, it influences the culture, right? It's, it's like anything else that we do. What the top does, their actions really influences the culture, right? We've heard it said, uh, you know, nobody cares about your words. They're going to watch your actions. So if somebody at the C-suite level is embracing social and content, it will filter down to all levels of the organization. That's, that's number one. Then number two, I think if that's the case, and we have a, a customer of ours that is in the wealth advisor space, they now have about, uh, I don't know, 200 or so of their um, wealth advisors using our social amplification system. And it was adopted so quickly because the CEO of this business experienced the value of social firsthand through having somebody create social for him and post it and teaching. And, and all of a sudden it's like his inbox was, was getting full of people going, Hey, great stuff. And, and people were responding to posts and thanking him and all that. So he experienced it firsthand and then he championed inside the business going, Everybody needs to be experiencing this. So um, I think it definitely uh, influences the culture. And then at that point, if the culture is really embracing social and content, then the organization needs to make sure that they, they do have some rules of what people are doing and, and are not doing at least under the name of the brand. Um, I know a few people that uh, they work in a well-known publicly traded company, and then they have kind of their own side little online um, expert uh, influencer uh, channel, and they just work in you know with their company. That's that's building their personal brand, but it's obviously going to affect what they do within their business as well. So, Brandon, do you have any other tips or best practices that executives should um, adhere to to help improve their personal social media presence? You know. I um, <laughs> excuse me. I, I think it's, don't put pressure on yourself to do everything. Um, it's not, make it easy for you. Like every piece that you post does not have to be unique content that you've created. Um, you know, we, I think where we met was through up content, a partner of ours with content curation. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? I use up content every day because it helps me find articles that I love to read. And then I turn around and I share them uh, on my content hub and in my own social channels. And then I share it with our team. And it takes me 
10 minutes in the morning, 15 if it's a longer article that I'm reading. And the value there is I don't have to write the article, but if I read it and I say something, you know, my opinion, try to say something intelligent, ask a question to the community about what they think and just become a conversation starter, it adds value to me because people see me as an influencer or see me as an expert in the space. Mm -hmm. So for C-level people, you know, get help. You have a marketing team. Like as a CEO, you don't go out and create every brochure that your company ever, you know, prints and, and shares. Why do you have to create everything that goes into your social? Now, one of the big questions we hear a lot is, well, if it's social, it has to be totally authentic me. Well, that's fine, but it doesn't mean you have to do all the work yourself. It's like your brochure represents your company and it's not voiced as I, as a CEO, wrote this brochure. It's voiced from the company. And that's okay too if you're sharing things like, you know, take posts that your company is sharing on your company page and reshare them, but just say something about it. Like, hey, our company posted this today and I think this is important because of X, Y, Z. That's it. You think that way anyway, just convert it into a post. Mm -hmm. And I think having a schedule, um, for me, I do a lot of my um, content curation, my content reading, and then my social sharing um, in the morning with a cup of coffee. And it doesn't mean I always post it in the morning. Sometimes I will um, schedule it for later in the day or the next day. If I, in the morning, I see and I go, oh, wow, I got two or three pieces I want to share. I can schedule it for today, tomorrow, and the next day. So I think it's it's finding that right rhythm for them that makes sense and getting a schedule and having a team of people to help them. Yeah, I think that's important to not not to overwhelm yourself because you don't have to overwhelm yourself with it and just take it small chunks at a time. Find your your rhythm, like you were saying. So, yeah. so we have a fun question for you to wrap it all up. Can so, I say one thing real quick before you do that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one another thing I've, I've talked to um, C-Suite about is, you know, book marketing was very popular and it still is. And a lot of CEOs would write a book in order to help grow the brand and go on a speaking tour and get invited to be on stage as a keynote, right? The book did that, but most CEOs didn't actually write their book. The, it, it came from their brain, but they hired a ghostwriter to actually write the book. It's somebody that would interview them and then write it and go, is this right? I think that the C-suite should apply that same model into content and social. You don't have to do it but it can come from your brain and be authentic. Yeah. Yeah. You can send, give some bullet points to someone and someone can write up something for you. Yeah. And graphics and do all that fun stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, they may not want to do. Exactly. Yeah. So the fun question. So if you weren't CEO of Funnel Amplified and yip yip, what, and you could do anything that you wanted to do, what would your dream job be? Um, I would, gosh, this is so juvenile and childish, but it is totally honest. Um, I would love to be a, like a PR director or a marketing director of a, uh, well, honestly, of Manchester United soccer, English oh. Premier. <laughs> yep. Cool. Just 
Straight to the point. Yeah, I. Um, well, it's something that you like, obviously, because we talked about soccer earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I started following. I I turned fifty in a few weeks, and um, I have been following Manchester United since I was thirteen years old, and um, I've been playing soccer since I was five. I'm like the weird American kid that actually played soccer back in the seventies. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, you know what, if I can be part of a big professional club and be part of the stadium and, and the, I don't, I don't, you know, the players or whatever, but just that environment, um, Atlanta United here, um, you know, maybe someday I could go volunteer there and, and they would hire me to, to do some stuff for them. But the, the environment in the stadium and the fans and all of that stuff, it's just, it's very energy giving to me. Yeah. That would be fun. That would be cool. I'm so glad the last uh, podcast I was a guest on, their fun question was, of your five kids, who's your favorite? (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) I love them all equally. (laughs) Elaine and I being sisters, we've heard that one before. (laughs) We know who the favorite is. (laughs) My answer was no. (laughs) I'm going there. Get in trouble. (laughs) Well, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us and talking about the way the C-suite should be leveraging social. If our audience wants to get in touch with you online or follow you, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, well, hey, LinkedIn, as long as you don't send me a sales pitch. So uh, LinkedIn, it's it's Brandon Lee. Um, I don't remember right off my LinkedIn profile, but it's also uh, funnelamplified.com. Uh, or we also have go yip yip.com. Um, we have a YouTube channel and all that. Hey, search us. That's what Google's there for. And we'll include it in the show notes too. Thank you, Thank you so much. And personally on my, on my leadership and other stuff, it's brandonlee.me. That's my personal website. If anybody cares to be there. Okay. And we'll include, like they said, we'll include all that in the show notes so that people can easily find you and connect with you. And that is it for today, folks. So make sure you go follow and connect with Brandon. And if you want to get in touch with me or Stacy, you can visit us on social. You can find us on Twitter at Stacy underscore Jacks. That's S-T-A-C-Y underscore J-A-X. And you can find me at Elena underscore Jacks. That's A-L-A-N-N-A underscore J-A-X. If you don't like Twitter, like Brandon, look us up on LinkedIn. You can find us at Stacy Jackson, Elena Jackson. And finally, don't forget, you can leave us a voicemail message on the Anchor mobile app or on our Anchor.fm show page. See you next week. The B2B Mix Show is hosted by Stacy Jackson and Elena Jackson of, you guessed it, Jackson Marketing. If you need help with your B2B inbound marketing efforts, visit us at jacksonmarketingservices.com.